0: Okay, hello and welcome back to MedHub, everyone. So today we're doing a nice little presentation on pneumonia for you guys. So just to remind you of who you are, in case you haven't been listening regularly and you've been a bad little audience member, I'm <laughs> Michael. <laughs> um,
1: I'm Lachlan.
2: And I'm Caitlin.
0: And just we're just kidding. You don't have to listen regularly if you don't want to. But so you said. Be a bit funny. Yeah. I have yet to listen. Anyways, we're going to start with a case for you guys today um, And you know, I don't want you guys to anchor bias too much Just because we've called this podcast pneumonia And I've told you it's about pneumonia You don't actually know What's what the case is going to be about like- Anchoring bias is where you like you like anchor to like the first diagnosis you think it is right. Yeah. So like, you know, we might just be fucking with you It might not actually be pneumonia So we start off with Betty She comes into ED She's a 70 year old woman and she presents with shortness of breath, some pain on breathing, and a productive cough. Mm. What do you guys? Mm. What do you guys think that sounds like?
2: Well, I know this might come out of nowhere, but pneumonia does come to mind.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, could be. That's, that's out of left field.
0: While we <laughs> while we're on that topic, does someone want to tell me what pneumonia actually is?
2: Basically, a respiratory infection deep in the lungs, in the alveoli or like in the interst- interstitium. I cannot pronounce that word. Interstitium. Yeah,
0: perfect. Pretty much, it's just like not bronchitis, it's not laryngitis, it's pneumonia It's your alveoli that are getting infected. So, if we think about the epidemiology,
2: who wow, gets we're not, gonna,
1: we're not considering other...
2: D- no D- other differentials?
0: Oh, we will. Yeah, we'll get to that later. right. <laughs> 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 we'll get to that later, don't worry. We're just going to talk about pneumonia for uh, right now. Uh, uh, but, but it uh, still, uh, could, right. not it
2: still could not be pneumonia. Still could not be
0: pneumonia.
1: Maybe it's like it's it's actually good syndrome. And <laughs> 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 it's actually a secret surprise renal episode.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, now the good pastor <laughs> syndrome. <laughs> no, nah, mate, um, you can continue. We'll continue about it. Yeah, yet. but like if we're if we're being serious, pneumonia actually like kills a lot of people. So we should probably stop joking about it too much. <laughs> it is actually the uh, the point point four percent of all hospital encounters are as a result of pneumonia, and it is the most c- leading common cause of infectious death in the elderly. <laughs> I don't
1: know why, so um, found ne- that so funny. With the most serious, un, un, just the most serious look on your face, and you're like, "We really should be taking this seriously."
2: <laughs> I lost
0: it. You know, pneumonia is actually also called the captain of death. Wait, really? That's like a nickname for pneumonia. That is that sick. Yeah, that, like or the old person's friend. That's kind of a nicer ooh. one, but. Oh, maybe mm. no, maybe no, that's not that I nice because it implies nice I to, that's nice. yeah. Yeah. I think
1: Captain of Death is, that's, that's very metal.
0: To be, to be fair though, like a lot of the people who die from pneumonia have a lot of other things going on. Like yeah. pneumonia is just kind of the things that kicks them over the edge. But
2: Ooh, should we talk about risk factors then? Yeah,
0: we should actually. That's, that's quite a good little lead on there. So what, what are the risk factors? Age. <laughs> <laughs> good yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> being old, like we said. Being young. Being, being old.
1: But also being like really young. Oh huh? yeah.
0: I oh mean, true. Yeah,
2: that's true. Yeah. And so immunocompromised. It. Yep. As well.
0: Any infection with your uh, your immunocompromised people. Um. What else?
2: Um. Kind of leading in the same vein like smoking because you're a little bit immunocompromised when you smoke. Yeah. <laughs> more inflamm- inflammatory state.
0: You also just lose your your mucociliary escalator, but we'll talk about that a bit more later. The what? You know how you are like your trachea has those, like, little cells. Oh, the, yeah, little yeah, yeah. Cilia. like the respiratory epithelium and they kind of, like, get this mucus up all the time. Um, yeah. So then, you know, some other risk factors are any, like, chronic lung diseases or anything that kind of impacts your respiratory system. So COPD, asthma, bronchiectasis. Um, at the same time, it's also, like, any other diseases that impact your ability to protect your airway. So anything that can affect your swallow... So strokes, um, seizures, Parkinson's disease, um, diabetes makes you immunocompromised and heart failure can also put you at risk of pneumonia because you've got more fluid on the lung anyway. Makes it a nice little place for bacteria to chill. Um, yeah, we talked about airway stuff. Also, crowded living conditions is another one that can put you at risk of pneumonia. Poor Did
2: hygiene. we say yeah. alcohol as well?
0: Um, no, we didn't, but that can also... Yeah. Definitely do it. I think that's
2: also to do with the fact that you like vomit and like aspirate a little bit of it. So you're getting bacteria down in your lungs from that.
0: Yeah, exactly. But we'll talk a bit more about aspiration in a little bit. Um, But first, we're going to go back to Betty and see what she's she's been up to. So you get a bit more background from Betty and you're not a very good historian. So the only thing you find out is that she hasn't been anywhere near a hospital um, when she's been sick. And this is just, she's just been at home. She also noticed she's been slowing down a little bit more recently at home. So Good question.
2: Where are we right now? Are we in a hospital? Yeah,
0: you're in you're in the ED.
2: Oh, she's a bit of a liar then. <laughs> Why? She's in the hospital currently.
1: But she didn't get the infection. <laughs> yeah, from, no, but like... She she, like, if it was pneumonia, she
2: <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> show up at the hospital what? like, well, you just lied to me because you're currently at a hospital. All right, can you... That's I'm trying to help point. you. That's <laughs> a
0: fair point. What's the, what's the like relevance of whether she's been around a hospital? Wow, I really didn't do this case that well, but <laughs> what's the relevance to the fact that she hasn't been at hospital recently?
2: Um, well, I think the main way that people classify n- pneumonia is kind of like where you got it from. So you have like hospital-acquired pneumonia or like nocosomal pneumonia is a weird way yeah. of saying it.
0: So noso- nosocomial ah. pneumonia, <laughs> that's, that's any pneumonia that you get from a healthcare setting. So hospital-acquired pneumonia is one type and that's like literally just you got pneumonia when you're in hospital you need to have been in hospital for at least 48 hours before it can be classified as that um the second type is your ventilator associated pneumonia which is you know people who are on ventilators obviously it's a foreign body any foreign body increases your risk of infection if you've been tubed for more than 48 hours then you're at a risk of pneumonia so what's our what's our other type of pneumonia
1: community quiet
0: yep it's just cap cap There's also
2: another one I've heard of That's like facility acquired or something Which is more like nursing home residents
0: Because they don't exactly
2: fit in the category of hospital acquired
0: Yeah, Is it like a hospital acquired pneumonia Or is it like a water source thing
2: No, it's just like It's mainly just like nursing homes Or maybe maybe like palliative care units That aren't exactly the hospital
0: They would get a lot of pneumonia there, I guess
2: Yeah
1: Well, actually, looking at this Getting a Getting like a timeline On that would be good On on the patient herself Why? Um, Just like when she developed These symptoms And how acute Or chronic they are Time course is always important Yeah Because like actually Looking at her presentation If it was acute And it was like a lot of pain Well not It doesn't necessarily Have to be a lot of pain Actually immediately Jump to a PE
0: Yeah That could be as well PE
2: is pulmonary embolism
1: Yeah not physical education
2: <laughs> we,
0: will, we will talk a bit more about differentials in a bit I've actually just put that Like right down the bottom Yeah Well, we can talk about it now if we want Yeah, let's do yeah. it Okay, yeah, let's talk about I, I love differentials differential differential. Should diagnosis. we get a now? quick
2: re-review of the symptoms So yeah. what was it? She so had shortness of breath Some pain on breathing And a productive cough And she's 70 years old mm. Heart
1: failure actually also jumps out to me there mm. yeah. Productive cough Some shortness of breath
0: Heart failure is a cracker for pneumonia.
2: Mm. Um, And that's all like with the pulmonary hypertension that you get in heart failure that that kind of explains the shortness of breath and productive cough.
0: There's no reason that you couldn't have heart failure and pneumonia at the same time. Actually, they co-occur a lot with someone getting a pneumonia, throwing them into a bit of a decompensation of their heart failure. Um, You can also have like an acute exacerbation of COPD, which functionally is actually really similar to pneumonia. It's just actually, if it's an infective cause... Um, you know But you can go and watch Our COPD episode If you want to learn more About that um, What other What other things Could it be
2: I mean also as Whenever I think CP- COPD I think asthma too Asthma yeah. exacerbation
0: Yeah Definitely with that um, Also PE Like Tangy said And then apparently atelectasis as well hmm. Lung mm. collapse Or just influenza
2: Oh yeah Just a regular yeah. infection
0: Yeah Which or can a, or also or
1: be Or an, an MI Yeah a typical be. presentation of an MI. Yeah, that's
0: true. Definitely.
2: Okay, so we've got our differentials. Should we hop back to what you wanted to talk about?
0: Michael? Yeah, if I can remember. Yeah, okay. So we're talking about community-acquired pneumonia. Now, if we're just going to break down that community-acquired pneumonia, there's another like commonly addressed way of breaking that down. What, what do we think that could be?
1: Typical versus atypical.
0: Yeah, so... Like I wouldn't, I reckon we shouldn't focus on this too much because this is kind of going out of fashion and this sort of language isn't actually being used that much anymore. But generally like a typical pneumonia is your classic lobar pneumonia. So that's where you've got one lobe of the lung, it's completely, you know, whited out on the x-ray, um, infiltrates are in that lobe, it presents really acutely with your classic symptoms of pneumonia, your shortness of breath, um, productive cough, pleuritic chest pain, everything like that.
2: Fever too.
0: Yeah, exactly. Fever. Whereas your atypical, that's more of like a bronchopneumonia, so it's more of like a diffuse pattern throughout the lungs when you're looking at an x ray and it like tends to be a less severe pneumonia. So I mean it can kind of go unnoticed for a while. Um
2: Yeah, and yeah, I think you still get you'll typically have like a low grade fever with that. Yeah. Like you it's something you'll barely notice that you have a fever. Um, And you get generalized symptoms too. Like you have fatigue um, and like maybe like headaches or just like generally not feeling the best.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. The only other kind of pneumonia, which I guess I I put it down as a separate category just because I think it's something that's worth considering is aspiration pneumonia. So like we said already, that's just a pneumonia secondary to a swallowing defect where you actually have some gastric contents being aspirated, so going down the wrong pipe. And then you get obviously all the bugs that live in your tummy going up to your lungs which isn't good okay so following on from that if we can classify pneumonia based on where people have gotten the infection we can also classify pneumonia based on the kind of organisms that cause it so i thought that a good way to do this would just be to go through some of the typical organisms and talk about who these conditions are most likely associated with it's worth noting like before we do this though that really anyone can get any kind of bug it's not limited to these people these just tend to be like the most likely presentations or things that will you know almost always happen in multiple choice question land not always in real life but it's Mm -hmm. worth thinking about so what is the most common cause of pneumonia strep pneumonia Well, i hope yeah it's yeah, it's
2: the most basic yeah, yeah, yeah. sounding
0: one. It's the most common. Exactly. It's in the name. If I think about haemophilus influenza, who gets that?
2: Uh, COPD patients. Actually, yeah. oh, it, oh, sorry.
1: Go. Every time I hear a haemophilus or haemophilus, as I say, I actually don't know which one's correct. Either way, I always think of children.
0: Yeah, so that's that's because haemophilus influenza type B, so serotype B is most mm. commonly associated with um, meningitis in children. And that's the vaccine-preventable type of um, haemophilus influenza. But your non-typed haemophilus influenzas are actually just more common to cause pneumonia and are often associated with COPD, as is moraxella catarralis, which is generally seen in older patients as well.
2: A quick note on the haemophilus influenzae, or however you pronounce it, is a very stupid first-year me thought, that it was the flu, (laughs) it is not. The influenza virus causes influenza um, and Haemophilus influenza is separate. That's a bacteria, like it's a separate thing.
0: (laughs) Although just to confuse you guys a little bit more now, you can actually also get atypical pneumonias, which are very often viral and influenza can be one of the viruses that causes an atypical pneumonia. But Haemophilus influenza is a bacteria it does not cause
2: influenza. the influenza flu. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't
0: cause the flu. The flu is influenza, and that's a virus. You can also get like respiratory syncytial virus causing atypical pneumonias and COVID. I think well. it's
1: also like how they
0: name it because it
1: has two names. It has to be a bacteria. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Actually, that's true. Like versus like, viruses, always
0: like yeah, because it's like genus and species. Yeah, yeah. an
2: animal.
1: Yeah,
0: mm. well, it's not that. Ma- are they are bacteria as animals? <sighs>
1: Then they are, they are in the, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tiny
2: little animals.
1: (laughs) Hold on. I'm going to look that up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If we're thinking about, um, like, okay, I'm just going to backtrack a bit here. We'll talk about this a bit more later. No, they're not animals. no. They're not animals? We retract everything we said. Yeah, we take that back. Um, But just thinking about the ways people can get pneumonia, right? You can either get pneumonia because the little micro bug has, like, shuffled its way down your trachea, down your windpipe in seeded into your lungs or you can get pneumonia because it's come from um, your bloodstream so you've got an overwhelming sepsis overwhelming bacteremia um, or you you know you shoot up on the weekends IV drug use and then um, that can then in turn also
1: why only the weekends yeah I'd do it every day
2: <laughs> that's for the week
0: also <laughs> oh yeah, well, a good point sorry
1: side note uh, bacterias are sh- um, um, monorins. They're not animals, oh, okay. but they are. They are obviously alive. But I think I may mono, have also just mono-rims. revealed some
0: fundamental lack of knowledge about IV drug use in myself that I'll need to correct. But
1: what doing it on the weekends only?
0: Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, you can also only do it on the weekends.
0: Yeah, that's true. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Back to what we were saying. You can either this get. This is a
2: very important point.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can either get pneumonia because the bug has made its way down your trachea and it's like chilling in the lungs, or you can get it from the blood because okay, you've either had something introduced into your blood like a needle or you've just got an overwhelming bacteremia. And the most common type of bug that you get from the primary bacteremia or IV drug use is what?
2: Staph aureus, the one that's always on your skin.
0: Yes, and just to confuse you guys a little more and get back to influenza as well, you can also get a staph aureus pneumonia secondary to an influenza so people will get a really bad influenza they'll get an influenza pneumonia that's like an atypical type and then they'll get even sicker because they've got staph aureus on top of it
2: yep okay i reckon should we go over and quickly summarize what we just said because it was a little bit confusing so just go
0: okay most really common quickly. cause
2: what's the most common cause
0: strep pneumonia
2: Okay, what about... What does COPD patients?
0: Homophilus influenza or Moraxella catarrhalis.
2: Okay, and what about oldies?
0: Moraxella catarrhalis.
1: Cool. Old and cat then, ladies. Yeah.
0: What
2: Moraxella. about IV drug use or hematogenous spread?
0: Staph.
2: And what about secondary to influenza infection?
0: Also staph.
2: Staph aureus. yeah. Awesome. Cool.
0: Um, we already talked about your viral pneumonias, so we'll leave that. Um, and... Now, if we're thinking about more about atypical pneumonias, so just as a you know, reminder, Caitlin said that these are the kind of pneumonias that generally will be a bit less severe, low grade fever, less of a productive cough, etc. Um, there's a few classical ones that are associated with this. So, the type of bug that is more common in schools and the army and more common in younger people is
2: Legionella?
0: no that's (laughs) (laughs) mycoplasma mycoplasma pneumonia and that's that's called a walking pneumonia because they'll be able to walk in and walk out of the clinic and they'll be fine basically um Mm. legionella um it was actually named legionella from like the legionnaires just like a weird like army group i think yeah
1: which would make you think that it is more common in the Army
0: yeah but it's actually it's actually named that way though because they first like recognized this at like a meeting so th- this is like a group of people the Legionnaires and they have these weird big meetings right and there was an outbreak of Legionella at the Legionnaires meeting because it's through the water source so you think about all these like soldier army types drinking from the water that's where they get it from Legionella is common in water sources you can also get it from as a result of that air conditioning vents stuff like that. And it becomes a real public health concern.
2: Mm, makes sense. Yeah,
0: that's why we care about it, I suppose. Um, the other big one I think you can get that's actually more common in Queensland is called Coxiella brunetti. Does anyone know the classic kind of presentation of who would have that?
2: Cattle farmers.
0: Yeah. Meat workers. Like, yeah, <laughs> abattoir workers. Um, causes Q fever and it's just common from cows. Yeah,
2: and... You can definitely remember this as all cows are brunettes. So coxiella brunetti. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: also just called like Q fever because it's in Queensland. You can get it secondary to tick mm. infections as well. but
1: Ooh. It's um, like, well, that's why you should always do tick checks after a hike.
0: Yeah. Because you get Q fever. Oh. You can get Q fever endocarditis as well. What? Yeah. It's one of the rare causes of endocarditis. Um, anyway. We've got a few more to go through. Sorry, I know that micro can be a bit rough sometimes. Um, So I'm just going to zip through these really quickly because this is getting a bit old. Okay. For hospital-acquired pneumonia, it's more common to get staph aureus or gram-negatives, so anterior bacta or pseudomonas. Okay. Those, your gram-negatives, are also more common in aspiration because those gram-negatives are the same bacteria that live in your gut. Very simple you can also get a range of bacteria of um you know more funky microbes happening in your immunocompromised populations so pjp pneumocystis pneumonia is most common in what
1: aids patients yep. or hiv aids
0: yep so it's an aids defining illness um you've also got your cmv pneumonias and CMV,
1: cytomegalovirus right? yeah. yeah yeah
0: cytomegalovirus and aspergillosis um in hiv interestingly aspergillosis you can also get this weird thing called bronchopulmonary aspergillosis which is like a secondary allergic reaction to the aspergillosis everyone everyone is looking at me when i say this right now like Sorry, say it again what are you talking about abpa allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis i want to like
1: picture the nerd emoji <laughs> you know like that video of like the nerd emoji And it's like in 3D And you're like so And it's like every time Michael says something That's like incredible Like woo And then you see the nerd emoji Being like
0: um, Actually <laughs> yeah, that's- You can get a a b a
1: Whatever you just said
0: I, I feel like this is an unpopular opinion But I actually think Resp is really cool and rest medicine is really... Everyone's laughing at I'm, me I'm right now. I'm not laughing
2: at you. I got uh, criticized heavily last year for not having a problem with but <laughs> Yeah,
0: rest Well, there's
1: no problem with it. It's just when you're like, uh, just a fun fact you also can get and then the longest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I still have
2: up. a qualm with that fact. But the general principle of studying resp and it being enjoyable, I uh, agree with.
0: Yeah. Anyway, moving on. We're going to talk about the pathogenesis of pneumonia right now. So... How do the bugs get into the alveoli? You breathe them in. Yeah, but it's not that simple, right? Because you've got things that are there to stop them getting in. So what are the kind of physical barriers or, you know, immune system thingies that we've got that stop the bugs from getting in?
2: Um, I reckon we start high up. So we have the nose where you breathe in. Um, and you kind of, it's quite like warm and humid in there. And so you kind of like trap all your stuff in the your snot. nose hairs and snot. And so A like yummy, yummy even snot. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so it can't even really like get down to the lungs at all. Um, then we have, as we mentioned before, the mucociliary escalator. So, as I'm sure you all studied histo very, very dedicatedly, um, what's it called? Pseudostratified columnar.
0: Pseudostratified cilia, ciliary columnar. Column. Yep. Yeah. There
2: we go. That's the lining of, um, I guess, all the bronchioles um, and trachea. Where is it?
0: I'm fairly sure it only extends from the trachea to the um, like terminal bronchioles. I don't think the terminal bronchioles have pseudostratified ciliated columnar epithelium. We're fact-checking that now for you guys in case you really care about histo, but yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, key term is ciliated. So we have the cilia, which are like these little hairs that help kind of push any microbes, any pathogens up and out of the respiratory system. So
1: Not to be confused with stereocilia, which have to do with absorption, right?
0: In the
2: epididymis. In the epididymis. Mm, very mm. far away. <laughs> yeah. That'll, um, be a, that'll be a later yeah. episode. And this whole like little cilia pushing these pathogens up is called that mucociliary escalator. Yeah. The other part of that is mucus, of course. Mucus is involved there, traps the bacteria in it, and it gets pushed up by yeah. the escalator.
0: The mucus is made by the goblet cells as well, if anyone cares that much about histo. But... Moving on, um, you've also got little alveolar macrophages. They try and swallow up the dudes in the alveoli and they also initiate the immune response. Um, you've got your cough reflex to try and cough all the gunk back up. Um, and also, like, this is this is kind of part of the defense, but having an intact swallow is really important because if you don't have that intact ability to swallow, your epiglottis doesn't close over your... Um, your larynx, then you know you'll start getting those aspirations and secretions that shouldn't be going down there. Um, the last one is obviously just the bugs that live there as well. You know they used to think for a really long period of time that the lungs were sterile. Um, then they figured out they're not. So good bugs prevent bad bugs growing by just living there. So our little bacteria has done a really good job. He has gotten through all of those obstacles, if you will, and he's ended up in the nice little alveoli. So. What's he going to do now?
1: It's going to start reproducing to yeah. start infecting and taking
0: over. Exactly. It's going to start making some nice little um, bacteria babies um, and growing in that nice environment. And then what's going to happen?
1: Um, well, it depends. I mean, if there is an immune system to speak of, then you'll start getting immune defences. Um
0: yeah, exactly. The uh, The macrophages will start gobbling it up and then, you know, to refer to our inflammatory podcast if you want to go back over this. But basically, they release a whole bunch of cytokines which recruits neutrophils to the area. The neutrophils go into the lung, right, and start actually forming some pus in the lung as they die. They also generate alveolar exudate, um, increasing the blood supply to the lung, which then in turn um, starts to basically fill the lungs up with fluid. Um those cytokines released also create inflammation around the area which then can lead to inflammation of the pleura which is painful right it's what causes that pleuritic chest pain and then because you've got all this gunk sitting in the bottom of the alveoli that impairs your gas exchange which then is what in turn leads to people being hypoxic right they can't actually get the oxygen through because the distance has to travel is too far Um, the inflammatory response also triggers a fever so if we think about that pathophys, what do we think are the symptoms and signs of pneumonia?
1: You'd uh, have trouble breathing.
0: Exactly. What do we call that? Dyspnea. dyspnea. Yeah, dyspnea. So
1: also pain on breathing is dyspnea, isn't it? No, is it?
0: Dis- dyspnea is the objective feeling of feeling short of breath. So it's actually, it's an objective symptom.
1: What's pain on breathing?
0: Pleuritic chest pain. Is that,
1: is is it?
0: Pleuritic chest pain is worse on breathing in and it's localized to an area, but it actually isn't just pain on breathing. What else, what else will we get? We'll get pleuritic chest pain, dyspnea.
2: Cough. We have all that consolidation in the lungs that we're going to cough up.
0: Exactly. Not always, but you can definitely get a cough. And then one more thing.
2: Uh, Fevers, as we talked about before, we've got an immune response triggered. uh, Macrophages send off signals for inflammation. So we have a fever.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Um, and then we're going to whip out our stethoscope and we're going to do some doctoring. What well are we going Before
2: we do that, just a quick clarification on the cilia. Yep. They are from the trachea all the way down to the bronchioles oh. and they stop before the alveoli. So I was right. Ooh. Yeah, nice. Nerd emoji, again. <laughs> nerd emoji.
1: <laughs> Massive nerd emoji.
2: Michael Massive. looks around the room like so proudly. <laughs> um,
0: okay. Back to Dr. Bode. We're going to do a little examination on Betty right now. So, what are we going to look for? I'm
1: we'll doing do a general inspection first. We're going, to, we're going to wash our hands and introduce
0: ourselves. Do you want to ask the Do you want to say what you're looking for and I'll give you the answers?
2: All right, Betty. All right. Um, Hello, how's Betty. You, how's your breathing looking? Are you using any accessory muscles of respiration? Do you sound short of breath?
0: A little bit. I'm a little bit tripod And, like, you can see my you know, sternocleidomastoids and breathing muscles and that.
2: Um, When someone's having a lot of trouble breathing and using all the extra muscles um, to help them breathe, they typically kind of like when they're sitting in the chair, they might rest their elbows on their knees. And so it kind of like looks like a tripod, I guess. So that's why. It's because
0: it takes the weight off your cage, off your thoracic cage, right? It takes the weight of your arms and your chest off your thoracic cage by resting it somewhere else, which then means they can just expand easier. But yeah, okay, back back to what we're looking for. What else can we see on Betty?
2: Um, typically the first part of the resp exam, yeah, as we said, is like looking around. So I might also look, are you holding a tissue or anything that shows evidence that you've been like coughing up sputum? She has a
0: cup of sputum. In a sputum mug. In a sputum.
1: Oh my oh, god! How perfect. It's just it it? a
2: sputum mug sitting you, right there. You'd look
1: at the color as well. Yeah. Have a look at what color so it is.
2: It's like better you legend. It's Bring like in a sputum lime mug.
0: green sputum. Slime green. Yeah. That's always it's like nice. The Nickelodeon slime green. <laughs> oh, <color>. oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Hopefully, no one's getting slimed today.
1: <laughs> um, you'd also like just have a listen to the cough. Does it sound yeah. wet or dry? Um, it's wet. <laughs> very wet. Um You probably also um I don't know what else you, you could look at the hands, but those? Uh, okay. I'm, I'm going systematically. <laughs> hands, okay hands, guys, hands we're an ED, so
0: let's do examination. We're, like a we're bit not of doing a, a full <laughs> clinical resp exam. What are the things we actually care about?
2: Um well we wanna know if she's, how oh, much distr- distress she's in. So yeah. yeah we wanna get her vitals. Importantly respirate, actually a very important indicator of mortality. Mm-hmm. Um and then obviously I'm guessing what's well, her respite? rate? High. Yeah.
0: 31. 31, 31. is her
2: respite. rate. Yeah. Um and yeah, then we're We're also gonna measure eighty <laughs> eight ha-
0: in a good way, guys. Like you gotta get a move on with this examination.
2: And so then we also do um she tachycardic. Yes. Okay. Expected what's a
1: temp?
0: high. It's thirty-nine.
1: Okay. What's the SATs? Eighty nine. All right.
0: Okay. No history um, of COPD either. Ooh. And she has a sat. V- yeah. Get her 89.
1: on some oxygen right now.
0: I can aim it all right now. Yeah. But we'll keep going. You whip your stethoscope out. Yeah. What and are you then we're going
2: to listen to her lungs, and we might be expecting if she's got some like consolidation or some gunk in there, she might have some crackles.
0: Yeah. Just for for anyone listening as well, um, those like that finding is actually really really important for ruling out pneumonia if you can't hear crackles it's very unlikely to be pneumonia
1: i can never hear crackles though oh just in general
0: <laughs> <laughs> like he's gonna rule out a lot of pneumonias <laughs> you can,
1: you could give me someone who has their entire lungs consolidated and be like these are the clearest crackles i've ever heard in my life and then i put my stethoscope on it and i'll be like nah those are some clear lung fields all right
2: so as a medical student who's not good at picking up crackles maybe don't rule out pneumonia yeah, yeah. but if you can just for sure pick up crackles
0: just take the consultant's word for it that there's crackles there. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, you would also give the uh, back a little tap and see whether it, the percussion is dull.
0: Yep. Dull but not stony dull. Well done mm. if you can tell the difference. Yeah. No, you can't.
2: What does stony dull suggest?
0: Uh, sorry
1: dull and sorry a bit of a rant dull and stony dull was made up by big physician (laughs) to trick med (laughs) students by big physician to try and make themselves seem like they can tell dull from stony dull they can't i reckon
0: someone could like they also wanted
2: to frustrate us because stony sounds like it's solid and yet it indicates there's fluid in the lungs for stony dull and then dull indicates there's something solid in the lungs so remember that it's confusing
0: And just to round off the exam, you can also do the old 99. It should be increased. Scooby-doo. Yeah. Why is it increased? So because there's more fluid in the lung, right? Fluid is denser than air. So sound is going to travel faster through it. So it should be like really clear when you're listening to that on their chest. But Mm. after, you know, we can't diagnose pneumonia based off a clinical exam what is where's the money maker for diagnosing pneumonia like if i want you to show me the pneumonia money what do i want you to show me
2: a chest x-ray i
1: was gonna say sputum culture
0: no it's a chest x-ray yeah Mm -hmm. so it's worthwhile noting that you like i think it's the like american resp guidelines or something like that but you actually cannot make the diagnosis of pneumonia without evidence on a chest x-ray like it's so important um That being said, you can't use a clear chest x-ray to rule out pneumonia um, because sometimes it can take like a few days or maybe the person's like really dehydrated or something and then you give them fluids and all the fluid goes to the lung, right? And then you can see it on a chest x-ray. But infiltrates on a chest x-ray of some kind are always going to be needed to diagnose pneumonia. So what kinds of chest x-rays do we want and what are we looking for?
2: You mean like what kind of chest x-ray? Yeah, x-ray like what, do you, what are chest.
0: you going to write on the f- order form? <laughs> chest, chest
2: x-ray, x-ray question mark, pneumonia. Yeah, <laughs> but,
0: okay. Do you want erect. just... Erect, erect. Do you want... Yeah, do you want... Standing. Two views or just one? Oh, you always two views. Want two you views. always yeah. want two views. Yeah, okay, AP so you do a, a and lateral. Exactly. That's what I want. Um, And what shows... What gives us evidence of pneumonia on a chest x-ray?
2: Um... So, again, I guess like thinking about the types of pneumonia, like you have a low bar pneumonia where you might have like one whole lobe that just looks white because that's where everything's happening.
0: Consolidation of the lung in one whole lobe.
2: Mm, You might also get like in other types like interstitial infiltrates. Um,
0: They kind of look like like little reticular bundles of sticks that spread out. That's more of your atypical pneumonias as well, like your mycoplasma legionella type stuff. Um, The other sign you can see is cavitations. Um, the reason I'm cutting in is because I've actually written something wrong in the notes and I just wanted to correct it before someone said the wrong thing Um, but cavitations are actually evidence of a necrotizing pneumonia so they're pretty common in like staph aureus where the bugs start to eat away at your lung tissue you actually get more like black areas in the lung Um, another thing you know that's just worthwhile noting is that sometimes CT can actually be more accurate so you're really, really suspecting pneumonia, but chest X ray is negative, you can't actually do a CT, and you can pick it up a bit earlier. You
1: CT every patient, <laughs> <laughs> do regardless not, of symptoms. Do not see c- the, 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 the holy donut
0: that's the ED, cells at
1: yeah, all. <laughs> that's the ED secret. They they CT everyone.
0: <laughs> Please don't CT every patient. <laughs> There's genuine ethical concerns with exposing people to radiation unnecessarily.
1: Oh, but it's not um, unnecessary. I'm trying to rule out <laughs> pneumonia.
0: <laughs>
2: Hey, CT I, um, for a negative D-dimer as well. And there's blood in it. <laughs> yeah. Off to CT. Look, look,
1: <laughs> I, know, I know that there's a negative D-dimer and they had a CTPA yesterday. And I know that they're not symptomatic anymore. I just feel like it could be PE. So can you CTPA them again, please? That'll be me and ED.
0: God bless the donut of truth. That will not be me. <laughs> okay, instead of going straight to the CT, what kind of other things are we going to gonna look for?
2: Uh well we already talked about vitals, so doing oxygen saturations, looking for fever. Um and then you might also do bloods.
0: Yeah. So what are we gonna look for on the bloods?
2: Um so we do our standard markers of I guess inflammation, so ESR and CRP. You'll also do your full blood count, check on that liver function, so ELFTs.
0: Also just electrolytes in that like mm. in case the fluid overloaded or dehydrated, because that's a fair bit of pneumonia in the populations we're dealing with. So that's why as well.
2: And um. also bun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because
0: oh, yeah. um, if you're dehydrated, that can go up. Um.
1: Also renal function. Yeah. Yeah. Which I suppose is part it's of It's
0: important for CT. Yeah. That's why they do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. Um. Okay. If, if someone's a bit more severe, what kind of things can we start thinking about doing?
2: Um, well, if they're quite severe, we might be concerned about, I guess, more if they're I guess like more intense bacteria and c- different pathogens that could cause it. So we might do the sputum culture yeah. and also a blood culture, maybe checking for sepsis.
0: Yeah, exactly. So basically if anyone is severe enough to get admitted to hospital, they should definitely be getting a blood culture. Um, sputum culture is done to firstly, like figure out what kind of bug they're dealing with. It's not the only way to actually test for the bug um, for Legionella and for strep pneumonia. You can do urinary antigens, which is a, I always find that a bit weird. You can look in the urine to see what's going on in the lung, but apparently it's all in the piss. Um, (laughs) But yeah, sputum culture is done also to stratify treatment. So obviously, you know, you can't just go throwing everyone on Piptaz, so you need to actually figure out what kind of bacteria they've got so that we don't all, you know.
1: Unless you're an ortho. (laughs) 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 Then you just chuck everyone on Piptaz, don't you?
2: Ortho is great. <laughs> you're not bagging on also. <laughs> yeah,
0: we love we love bones. Um <laughs> and they love pip <laughs> <laughs> Um right.
2: and then one more other thing you might do is a covid test. Yeah,
0: the bloody covid oh, test. <laughs> right. Just be do just be everyone. careful though. If you actually like if you do do any kind of viral PCR on someone in a hospital, you're going to have to also get um you're gonna to have to get isolation precautions taken for them. So, like, you'll probably really piss off a lot of people if you do an unnecessary, um, you know, viral antigen test. Sorry, we've just got a bit of uh, background noise there from an ambulance going to actually take care I'm of someone. Being... Well, we're taking the piss out of pneumonia, but <laughs> not taking the piss. We're educating people taking about the piss pneumonia, out
1: of all of those, which I who I who I love. <laughs> they do a really important job. <laughs>
0: Okay, we already talked about the differential, so I'm going to go back to the case now. Um, So after we do a bit more digging, you actually employ some of your neuro skills to see that Betty can't walk very fast. She isn't swinging her left arm. You suspect that she may have...
1: You're looking at us to... Yeah, I am, a- a-
0: yeah. Parkinson's? Yeah, Parkinson's. And you make a note to refer her to That's neurology. That's me
2: blanket remembering that any issue with gait and old person, I think
0: Parkinson's. i say
2: <laughs> Do you want to explain that more?
1: <laughs>
0: okay, so this isn't about Parkinson's, so I'm just going to very quickly say that not being able to walk very fast is generally a clear sign of decrementing bradykinesia, and the inability to swing one of the arms in that walk is a very, very characteristic sign of Parkinson's. It could be a lot of other things, but... Just briefly talking about that. Um, we'll talk a bit more about Tangy why that's actually important in a second. is currently doing his
2: nerd impression <laughs> of the nerd <laughs> emoji. <laughs> I mean, Lachlan <laughs> is currently doing his impression of the nerd emoji.
0: Okay. Anyway, you get her results back and her chest X-ray shows clear low bar consolidation. Her oxygen sats are sitting at 89% and her respirator is 31. Her blood pressure is 110 over 90. How do we figure out what we're going to do? Do we think we can send her home with some antibiotics or is she probably going to need to be admitted?
2: She's probably going to be needed to be admitted. She's got an oxygen set of 89, which is too low, and a respite, which is too high.
0: Okay, Caitlin, really, really good job. But if we're going to be really super-duper nerdy and thorough about it, um, which Lachlan is again giving the nerd symbol to me, we're going to have to use a score to determine what we do. So what kind of scores can we use?
2: Um, I think it's the CURB or CORB or something.
0: Yeah, so both are correct. Um, we've got our CURB65, um, which is one of the scoring systems. The Australian version of that is the CORB score. Um, and look, they're pretty much the same thing, really, similarly. Do we want to run through what they're all talking about? So what does C stand for?
2: Um, in CORB or CURB? Both. Uh, confusion?
0: Yep, yeah, exactly. So... Um, Probably would have been worth mentioning when we talked about symptoms, but delirium is actually a common symptom as well. Um, you know, any kind of infection, um, especially UTIs, stuff like that, can throw an oldie into being a bit delirious. Um, we've got U for CURB. What does U stand for? Urea. Yep. That's why we did the blood urea nitrogen. Um, in Australia, though, we care more about O, which is?
2: Oxygen saturation.
0: Yeah. So if they're 90 or less, they'll get a point for that. Um, what's R stand for?
2: Respiratory rate.
0: Exactly. If they're above 30 breaths per minute, they'll be getting a point. Um, B? Blood pressure. Yeah. So if their systolic is below 90 or the diastolic is below 60, they will also be getting an extra point there. Um, 65 in the curb, 65 just stands for 65 years old. If they're older than 65, they also get a point. Um, I feel like Oprah right now. Like giving out random points to people. (laughs) It's like, oh, you're confused. Have a point, have a point, have a point. Um, But why do we care about these points? What do they allow us to do?
2: Um, They let us determine what kind of management we're going to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, They also allow us to stratify the risk. So if someone only scores zero to one on that CURB 65 with a CORB score, um, they're low risk of death. So that's less than 3%. um, And they're also classified as a low severity um, getting up into two, so moderate severity, um, they're at a risk of death of about nine percent. High severity is three to five, to fifteen to forty percent risk of death. So, anyone who is not in that low severity group, you need to really start thinking about. Well, you need to admit them to hospital. Um, from there, it actually also goes on to admit to stratify the treatments that we use, right? So, if someone is in that zero to one or that low risk, you can just send them home um with doxycycline or amoxicillin um or a combination of both um yeah depending on what um you know what you think the most likely positive agent is um if they're in that moderate severity um they'll be getting intravenous antibiotics and that's when you start doing amoxicillin and clarithromycin um and if they're you know if they're in that high severity group um, you definitely start thinking about ordering some, um, some IV, empirical broad-spectrum antibiotics straight away. So um, your Augmentin duoforts, um, chlorithromycin, um, and even levofloxacin can also be added. Um, in terms of all those antibiotics, though, just please look up your local guidelines because um, they're constantly changing all the time and it's not too important to know that. Um, the only other thing that I think is important here is that if anyone has a CURB-65 of four or five, or if you really really think that it's severe what would you do
1: send them to ICU
0: yeah you'd definitely want to get you'd want to get input from ICU right so you'd get referral from the ICU and then they'll kind of determine whether they need to be intubated or not and honestly at that point whether there is actually a point to intubating them just considering we are dealing with a lot of older people you know advanced care planning and stuff like that um the other scoring system that we can actually use to determine um, someone's risk of um, death from pneumonia and who actually needs to be intubated for pneumonia is the cop scoring system. Um, but I'll leave you guys to look that up in your own time because that's probably a little bit beyond the scope of the course. So now we've diagnosed Betty with pneumonia. Um, we're all happy with that. Is that okay? Should we just accept that people just get pneumonia? no 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 we shouldn't right um it's not just a normal thing for someone to get an infection in their lungs okay in their alveoli the reason you
1: meant you meant for her specifically no for anyone well i like do you mean like we shouldn't accept the fact that pneumonia happened
0: no, well, it's I not mean, it's real.
2: It's a conspiracy. <laughs> we can't, yeah, big rest.
0: <laughs> we can't philosophically reject the notion of pneumonia, but we can't just sit back and be like, okay, they got pneumonia, whatever.
1: Right? Oh, right, sure. I thought you meant like, yeah. like, can we accept the fact that people get pneumonia? I'm like, yeah, I suppose you can't like a hundred percent remove it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I mean, what, what I'm trying to get at, right, is there's only a few reasons why people actually get pneumonia. It's because they have a particularly nasty bug that's actually able to bypass it. So that's most of the ones we mentioned, right? Um, Especially your Moraxella catarralis and your Legionella, things that are actually infecting young, healthy people. Um, They're immunosuppressed or they're immunocompromised in some way. So that doesn't always have to just be your diabetes or your HIV. That can also just be an underlying cancer, something like that, some other kind of structure abnormality um which we will touch back on in a second um and the third reason is because of an overwhelming inoculum so all that means is they've got a shit ton of bacteria in their lungs that shouldn't be there and that is normally because of an aspiration so what do we think has happened to betty why has she gotten her pneumonia
1: she has well perhaps has
0: parkinson's and why does parkinson's lead to pneumonia get some
1: dysphagia in there don't you exactly
0: Bay it's dear. actually um, the leading cause of death for people with parkinson's is pneumonia. aspiration pneumonia mm. oh. and falls but falls actually might be the leading cause <laughs> of death. i just know that aspiration is a big cause of death i don't know if the leading cause of death but yeah. yeah it's definitely up there um okay what happens to people with pneumonia that's bad they die well that's one of them
2: they recover they get complications
0: yeah, basically, the way I, I kind of think about it is either the pneumonia goes really bad and you get sepsis, so disseminated infection and the immune response that goes with that leading to hypotensive shock. Um, well, any shock is hypotensive, but leading to shock. Um, or you can get acute respiratory distress syndrome, um, which can also throw you into um, you know a type one respiratory failure, I believe. Um, or from current re- chronic pneumonia, recurrent pneumonias, you can start to get bronchiectasis. So that's just a widening and scarring, that a build up of mucus at the lung. Okay.
2: You can get some other things. I guess we already kind of talked about it, like lung abscess. Oh yeah, Is that can pneumonia. happen as well. And that could hang around for a while. Yeah,
0: and cavitations and stuff like that too. I can. Can you guys think of any other complications or? Well, again, I, I just had death. Yeah. A pretty Sepsis, common one, death. Yeah. Um, I think those are the main ones. Yeah. I think we've touched on the main ones. So, in the interest of time, there's one more thing I'd say that's important. Um, when you're writing on the discharge form, okay, if you're the intern and you, you know what, Betty's miraculously got better. We've probably had to admit her because she had a pretty high curb 65, but you're about to send her home. What is the thing that you need to remember to write on the discharge form?
1: Continue antibiotics when you get home. <laughs>
0: can't I mean maybe
2: do deep breathing exercises because it helps your lung function recover. You get those incentive spirometers.
0: Yeah, it sounds pretty good as well.
2: But cheating off the slide, you've got follow up chest X ray, may or may not yeah. be
0: indicated. Um, I when I was researching, I found there was a bit of debate on this, but I think especially if you're dealing with someone who's young and healthy and they rock up to the hospital with a really bad low bar pneumonia. Um, you really need to start thinking about an underlying cancerous source and you also need to do a follow-up chest x-ray to check um, whether there is uh, firstly a lung cancer underlying it or any kind of lymphadenopathy, other things like that, um, and no scarring following on from the pneumonia, so placing them at risk of bronchiectasis. Mm. Yeah. I think that's all for today, unless anyone else has anything else to add?
2: No. Cool. <laughs> <All> <laughs> right. Thanks Thank very much. Michael. For the Sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, thanks, sorry, thanks
0: Mikey. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening Thanks, guys. Mickey D. Yeah, my last name starts with D. Oh, Mickey. So big.
2: Peep. Middle name pneumonia. Big.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening guys. Feel free to tune in next time if you want. I won't get angry at you if you don't. But I
1: will. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>